grace to you and peace in the name of Jesus Christ. I am grateful to be with you today because you've been in my prayers for months now. I began to pray for you when Steve Montgomery retired as your pastor over a year ago. I always pray for congregations when a pastor retires because transitions are difficult. If Steve were here today to introduce me to you, I feel confident he would introduce me as his babysitter. Now, Steve knew that I was not his babysitter. I babysat with his younger siblings, David and Dee Dee, because he and his older brother Jim were always out messing around with their high school buddies. But even when Steve was a trustee at Columbia Seminary, he loved telling folks that I was his babysitter. We were grateful for Steve's leadership, and we owe you a huge thank you for giving him the time to serve on that board. We so enjoyed when he was on campus hearing of his delight over this congregation. He loved you, and he loved being your pastor. So at Steve's tragic death this summer, my prayers for all of you increased. And then when Faye died suddenly, weeks later, my prayers multiplied. And now this week, Carol Good has died. How can a congregational family take on so much loss along with all the upheaval and complications of a pandemic? This pandemic has brought to light issues of injustice and tension and sadness and anxiety. I have been praying for you. And so I'm grateful today for the chance to be with you in this way and to bring you a story from our faith ancestors, a story of when they faced enormous upheaval. Surely they have a word for us today. Hear God's word from the book of Exodus, chapter 16, verses 19 through 15, and verse and chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. To remind you from the readings of the previous weeks where God's people have been. They had just escaped slavery in Egypt, having endured plagues and persecution, having fled with Moses, been pursued by soldiers, and then crossing the Red Sea, and now facing a journey in the wilderness. In spite of the fact that the Lord went in front of them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them along the way, and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light, they were overwhelmed and distraught and bitter in their complaining. We pick up their story. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, Draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked toward the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat. And in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, the quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine, 
flaky substance as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, uh, what is it? For they didn't know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. From the wilderness of Sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord saying, Is the Lord among us or not? This is the word of the Lord for us today. Thanks be to God. Now, I know that Dr. Bobby Williamson has spoken to you recently about lamentations in Scripture. Imagine a whole book in the Bible devoted to lamentations, complaining. And then there's the book of Job and countless Psalms and other places which relate the anguish of a people complaining to God. And God hears their anguish and welcomes their honesty and invites them and us to lay before God our troubles and concerns, for God is with us. I'm grateful for these stories because we are in such predicaments now. Many of us are overwhelmed by our current reality. I assumed that plagues and pandemics that could shut down our entire world were something of the past that we could overcome such life-altering disaster. And yet here we are, facing COVID-19, a disease that the brightest minds still don't fully understand, and facing the ills of our society, ills that we had become complacent about, but are now glaringly painful and complicated. Relationships among family, friends, community, this country, are being torn asunder. And like those before us, we cry out to God, are you among us or not? And so we remember the stories of those who preceded us. We understand their cries and we look to their faith. Earlier in my life, I was going through a rough time, or it seemed rough then, this story of the Hebrews in the desert comforted me, particularly the part about how each evening the quail came and rested on the ground so that they could pick them up and feed their families. 
I understood the quail better than I did the manna. My dad was a hunter, and I'd eaten these quail as a delicacy. I remember asking my dad to take a photo of these quail so that I could keep before me the vision of how God would take care of us. He tried, but out in the field, by the time he got his camera all adjusted, those quail had flown away. No speedy cell phones in those days. So we went to a friend who was a taxidermist and asked to borrow some of his stuffed quail that he might take a photo of them out in a field for his daughter. The taxidermist was puzzled until my dad told him the story of the Hebrews in the wilderness. The taxidermist also knew this story from Exodus. And so he made me this gift of Egyptian quail which I have carried with me for over 40 years. I carry them because they remind me that in the evening, when darkness settles in and I am so weary, concerned about how to care for those I love, concerned about whether we can make it through a wilderness time, then in the evening, the quail come. When I'm asking the question, is God among us or not? In those moments, I remember God has been this way before. What we're going through now is surely one of the big events in human history, but it's not the only rough time. There have been other pandemics, great plagues, times when masses of people died of hunger or disease, World Wars, the Great Depression with long soup lines, and race riots, and leadership crises. And in these times, God never forsook our ancestors, never left us alone. You know that Scripture tells other stories of how in the beginning in the darkest of night, in the groaning of creation, in the moments just before dawn, that first dawn, God's spirit moved over the watery chaos and brought forth order and life. And so God moves in our darkness, in our chaos and our groaning to bring forth order and life. God has been this way before and is among us still. When storm clouds gathered and the rains came to destroy evil, God remembered Noah. And the good news for us is that when storms wreak havoc in our lives and we find ourselves gasping for air, God remembers us. God has been this way before and is among us still. When the Hebrew people cried out to God in their oppression, God heard their cries and moved behind and before them and opened up a way for them to provide for them and lead them to safety. And the good news for us is that when we cry out to God in our oppression, God hears our cries and moves behind and before us and opens up a way for us and provides for us and leads us to safety. God has been this way before and is among us still. Isaiah recounted how when the people were weary and exhausted, 
and in exile, seeing no way home, God called them to the waters to be restored. And the good news for us is that when we are weary and exhausted, when we see no way back to the things that we held so dear, God invites us to remember the waters of our baptism and restores our soul. God has been this way before and goes before us still. Ezekiel told how God gave life to those who were as lifeless as a pile of dry bones, breathing upon them and pulling them together and setting them on their feet, and they lived. And the good news for us is that when we are as lifeless as those bones, when we are without hope, God breathes upon us and pulls us together and sets us on our feet, and we live. God has been this way before and is among us still. We remember how Jesus' death was not the end of the story, that sin and death did not have the last word, for Christ was raised from dead, bringing life out of death. Indeed, Christ's resurrection from the dead is far more than just the same old story. Christ's resurrection is new life for all people, for all time. And so when we ache and cry out, is the Lord among us or not? We hear the good news that God has been this way before and goes before us still to bring order out of chaos, to hear our cries and make a way for us before we drown, to restore our soul and set us on our feet, to breathe life into us and show us the way forward to bring life into places where only death existed. Therefore, we join others in telling our stories of how in the midst of death, God brings life. In the midst of separation, God brings reconciliation. In the midst of injustice, God brings compassion. In the midst of fear, God brings trust. For the message to those who betrayed, denied, deserted Jesus, even those who looked right at the risen Christ and grieved his absence, the message was this, do not be afraid. He goes before you and there you will see him. The good news for all of us is that God has been this way before and is among us still. When families fall apart, when friends desert us, when communities are rent asunder, when we lose a job, when life as we knew it seems gone, when accident or illness strike, when a pandemic turns this world upside down, when wildfires and hurricanes and floods seem determined to destroy us, when death takes a loved one and we ache to grieve together, we can remember God has been this way before and continues to bring life into places of death. When we make bad decisions, when our efforts to do what is right are in fact the wrong things to do, when violence and evil seem to overwhelm goodness, we turn, we turn knowing that we are not alone 
We commit ourselves to the terror of giving life back to God, knowing that in the evening, the quail will come. God's grace will be sufficient to make it through the wilderness. God has been this way before and goes before us still. And there, there, we will see him. Now, I realize that in these days in which we are living, in the midst of only broken and scattered signs, that the renewal of all things is underway. When the loss is great, the good news is almost beyond our imagination. In these days, you need to know it's not our believing that makes these stories true. This is an eternal truth, and it is not contingent upon our believing. So when folks cry out, is God among us or not? We tell the stories. We sing the songs. We pray with and believe for one another. Indeed, we commit ourselves wholeheartedly to the privilege of participating in the coming of God's kingdom even now. We honor Faye and Steve and Carol by continuing the vital ministry you shared. We find ways to be together today and every Sunday because through the ages we have all asked, is God among us or not? In closing, the Heidelberg Catechism asks the question this way, what is your only comfort in life and in death? And even today we answer, My only comfort in life and in death is that I belong, body and soul, in life and in death, not to myself, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who at the cost of his own blood has fully paid for all my sins and has completely freed me from the dominion of the devil. He protects me so well that without the will of my Father in heaven, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, that everything must fit God's purpose for my salvation. Therefore, by the Holy Spirit, God also assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for Christ alone. Friends, this is our only comfort, and it is enough. Thanks be to God. Amen.